And I never did like it. Because they're a great asset to the community and the future. Because if you're in your 50s, there's a real good possibility some of these children may be looking after you when you get in your 80s. So you may want to be nice to them. Or they may be pushing you along in a wheelchair one day at the nursing home and decide just come to a sudden stop and just dump you out. But anyway. All right. We're gonna we're gonna get into some scripture. Um When I got saved in 1982, I had a very limited knowledge of things that today I take for granted. And sometimes I tend to forget some of the basics that people um, need. And I think we all do. If you've been in church a long time, you hear th certain church terms and various things and we forget that we've all got to start somewhere and uh, we've got to learn. So we're going to, the next few weeks, going to cover some basic questions that I remember asking myself back in 1982. Uh, some questions I feel like are in some of y'all's hearts and some of your minds and you're trying to figure all this out. So I'm going to try to help you with some stuff and also remind some of us who've been saved a long time uh, where we came from and, and why because uh, there is a uh, lack of understanding in scripture today because it's been withheld from so many people I mean I meet people on a regular basis that uh, did not grow up in a church did not hear much uh, Back in the dark ages, some of us uh, went to school and we prayed at school and we had scripture everywhere we turned. And so even though I was an adult when I got saved, I had been exposed to a lot of scripture. So I want us to cover some basics. And the first question for today that we're going to look at is, why did Jesus come and why did he have to die? Because that's a pretty basic question that sometimes we take for granted. Uh, we're always talking about you need to receive Jesus as your Savior and all that. But why do you have to? Why did God send His only begotten Son to this earth? Why wasn't there another way? And so we're going to cover some of these basics. And uh, I'm going to begin just summarizing a few verses uh, in Genesis, because it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Y'all remember a man and woman named Adam and Eve? And when, when uh, well, actually, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be chapter 3. I, but you remember they, they were in a perfect place, perfect setting, and they did not know good and evil. And God had said, they could live there and eat of every tree in this garden, this wonderful, beautiful garden. You can eat of every one but two. One of them was a tree of eternal life. The other one 
was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because prior to this point, Adam and Eve didn't understand what was good or what was bad. They didn't understand good and evil. They were just blessed and everything they did was perfect and was within God's will. But they were deceived by Satan and he came and therefore they were kicked out of the garden and they began to hide themselves from God because they were they were naked. Let's just be frank. They were naked. They were, they didn't understand, but then they were shamed. And when God came looking for them, they were hiding. And they had made uh, garments out of fig clothes. But when God got through explaining what He was about to do, He did something very important that would set uh, a, a premise of everything He would do. He made them clothes out of what? Animal skins. Therefore, there was a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, even back in Genesis, of God covering man's sins through a sacrifice that required blood. Now, blood is the life-giving element of all men and all animals, all mammals. Without the, the blood flowing, there is no life. And so God began... This what we call the blood atonement throughout Scripture. And if you go on through Genesis, you continue to find that every time they gathered together and, and worshiped God, they would offer burnt sacrifice or sacrifice. Go to Cain and Abel. They offered a sacrifice. God accepted one. He rejected the other because of the attitude. But both of them were sacrificing something to God. Abel sacrificed an animal. Cain was a sacrifice, uh, the fruits of the ground, because he was a, a, a row cropper, is what we would understand. He, he raised the grains and the fruits and stuff. Now, God didn't reject Cain's because he wasn't a blood sacrifice, because God allowed that throughout when you get over in Leviticus, but he rejected the attitude by which it was offered and, and stuff. But then we go on, we see Noah after the flood. And we see Noah, when he comes out of the ark, begins to worship God. He'd, he had two of all animals except the clean animals, which he had seven of. And so when they landed on dry ground, they opened up the ark and began to restart. He took one of each one of the clean animals that God had set aside and offered sacrifices to God. So you see in a pattern that from the beginning of sin in man's life, God required a blood sacrifice to be offered up. And this is going to go on and stuff. And we're going to go, to, I won't pull up Genesis 22. That's where we're going to go. Because there's a, a pretty familiar passage right here with Abraham. And he had, two, he had several children, but he had Ishmael was a son of the flesh by uh, a handmaiden named Hagar. But his wife Sarah had what's known as the promised son. This is the promised son that God promised Abraham and Sarah early on in their life that he would give them and it would be the only son that Sarah would ever bear to, to Abraham. Well, when, when uh, Isaac began to get older, God said, now Abraham, I want you to take uh, Isaac and you take him to Mount Sinai, and, and he, I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice to me. 
Now, what you need to understand here in this, this verse is, is Abraham's taking that son, that that was the only one by which his blood descendants would come. And God had made a promise to Abraham that his blood descendants through Sarah would multiply and, and be as many as the sands of the seashore or as many as the stars in the sky. So Abraham, being faithful and obedient, begins to take his promised son Isaac to this plate. Uh, and I, I said Mount Sinai, Mount Moriah. I get different mountains confused sometimes, but it's Mount Moriah. And so um, he began to carry them, and his son asked this, because he was used to blood sacrifice. He said, Father Abraham, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, we've got everything, but we don't have the sacrifice. And this is how Abraham responded in faith. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. As they got there on top of the mountain, and Abraham built an altar. He laid his son, bound him up on top of the wood, and got ready to kill him, pulled the knife back, when the angel of God stopped him and said, Abraham, Abraham, I see that you fear God, and you would not even withhold your own son from God. And, and so he stayed the sacrifice, and they looked and heard this beating, and there was a ram caught in the brush. But what you don't understand, folks, this is a prophecy of what God would do. It's a prophecy that God would provide one day the lamb of sacrifice, and he would provide it himself. And that lamb is known as Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to begin to look and understand. So now turn with me to Hebrews because there's a lot of verses throughout Old Testament, New Testament. We see this, but it's summarized basically right here uh, in this, this written letter to the Hebrew people because they understood the blood sacrifice. They understood that every year they had to offer up a, a, a lamb without blemish and he would have to go and be offered at the temple to, to, for the forgiveness of sin. Then there was a, a yearly offering in behalf of all the people that would be done, and, and God would require that and would soothe every year. But when God reached the fulfillment of time of teaching and training people, He provided the sacrifice that would take care of that sin offering forevermore. There would be no need for a yearly offering. So what I want you to understand is the reason Jesus had to come because God himself chose the manner by which he would forgive sins. Okay? God chose this way. But he also you need to understand that sin is not always something you do. Sin is an attitude. Because too many times people want to look at sin and say, well, my, I, I may have done a few things wrong, but my sin's not as bad as old John's right there, or Chuck's, or somebody else. You know, we always tend to look at somebody that's acting worse than we are. But sin is anything that puts you in rebellion against God. It's a choice to do or not to do. It's a choice 
to reject. It's a choice of just not accepting. But the Scripture is plain and clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Y'all have heard me preach on that. We're born into a sinful nature that begins at the time we're born, that we can't even have any control over. And, and it, it's a selfishness, it's a self-centeredness. And we're, we're born into that. And we begin to see it evident throughout our lives. And, and, and a lot of times we, we don't understand that what's motivating that. But, but sinful nature is, even in little children, is already at work there doing it. And, and we don't understand. Because, see, sin is not when you get to a certain age to understand right and wrong, it's already there. And it's began growing. You know, already if you look underneath the grass and stuff, you're seeing little weed seed pop up right now. People don't notice them a lot of times because it's hidden. But even in our little children, that that sinful nature they're born into without any, any it's not their fault. It's just the way they were born because they were born of a sinful mom and a sinful dad. It begins to work into them. And the only thing that makes a difference is when you become of an age to understand is either receiving or rejecting Jesus Christ. Because we're all going to live with sin. We're born with sin. and, and we're going, But the question is, are you forgiven of that sin? Or are you unforgiven? This is where we're going to go. The writer of Hebrews says, For this reason, he, talking about Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant. What does it mean, a mediator of a new covenant? What's a mediator? If you're in a conflict with something, uh, and you, you, me and John got a disagreement, and we go to the court, I've got my lawyer, he's got his lawyer, we're down there, the mediator's the judge. He's going to decide between the two. He's going to look at the evidence and the arguments and he's going to decide between the two. And it's on TV everywhere you look. Everybody loves drama. I don't know. But Jesus is the mediator, the one who decides the new covenant, the one who implements this new covenant. So when God sent his son to die on the cross, first of all, he had to meet some certain qualifications. He had to be born of a virgin. Because if he'd been born of Joseph and Mary, he would have been sin in his life. There again, see, sin is there even from the birth of any man and woman. So, so Jesus could not be born of a physical man and a physical woman. But to take on a body of a physical person, he had to be born of a woman. So he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God and Mary conceived Jesus. Jesus is God, but He's God in the flesh, the physical seeing of Him. So He was born to fulfill not only the prophecies throughout Scripture, but because it's the only way He could, because He had to be born without sin, but then He had to remain without sin. You remember the temptation? We see Him going through early in His ministry where He was led out into the wilderness, Satan appeared to him three times. If he had ever given in to any temptation, he would have no longer been capable of being that sacrifice. Because, see, God himself required a sacrifice of unblemished, a perfect sacrifice, one without defect. Jesus had to do that, and he chose to do that, 
and be that. He left the throne of God to come and to be the sacrifice that you and I needed. Why? Because God had already ordained this way for the forgiveness of sin. So he becomes that mediator. God's opening up a new covenant. He's stopping the animal sacrifices. And he said, this is going to be a new covenant. Those of us in this New Testament era are living in the new covenant. We don't have to do this annual sacrifice every year. Because Jesus died once to take away the sins of the world. The question is, have you put your faith in him? He goes on, he says, so that since death has taken place for the redemption and the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of, etern of the eternal inheritance. Who are those who are called? Anybody hearing the word of God and responding to the movement of the Holy Spirit is being called by God. And let me tell you this, all people at one time will hear the call of God. I believe that with all my mind. God will speak to every one of them. The question is, do you hear it and respond to it, or do you hear it and reject it? That's the real question. Because when you stand before Him, that's what God's going to ask you. Did you hear and reject, or did you hear and accept the sacrifice? See, this is all coming directly from God. He set the perimeters of what he needed for him to forgive sins, and he provided the sacrifice. No cost to me, no cost to you. He's not waiting for you to get right because you could never get right enough to please God. You could never be holy enough to please God. You could never get away from the sin because you're born into it. And even if you quit sinning today and live the rest of your life without sin, you still got that sin in your past. It's still there because you were born into a sinful nature that you can't take care of. And you had no choice in it. But God did, and He made redemption possible for you and I. Verse 22. And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed by blood and without the shedding of blood is no forgiveness. Why did he write this almost all things? Because the Hebrew understood that even the vessels of the temple had to be cleansed by the blood of an animal sacrifice. In other words, when they got ready to prepare any instrument within the temple, it had to be sprinkled with the blood because even the vessels they used to perform these sacrifices had to be cleansed because they were made with human hands. God said, I want them cleansed with blood. He said, well, blood stains. It sure does. But what God's trying to build into our lives is the sacrifice that has to be made because of the sin that you and I are, are bearing each day. The importance of it, folks, this is where I, I really get upset with a lot of Christians, is, is we want to make light of certain sins. It's odd to do. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. God's grace is abundant. But you never want to take advantage of that grace. Because when you get saved, and you receive Jesus Christ, 
He's given you something you don't deserve. It's called eternal life. Being right with Him. He set the requirements. He met the requirements. And He sent His only begotten Son so that He would die on the cross to take away your punishment for your sin. Now who are we to think we could do it any other way? Look at the God who created all things and think, I want to do it my way. Well, you go ahead and try that, and let me tell you, you were answered for that in your way too. But you'll never receive salvation and forgiveness of sin except through Jesus Christ. Because it was His blood that washed away the sins of the world. And that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the wages of sin is death. The wages of all that sinfulness is eternal death. But what? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Y'all know where that's at? Romans 6, 23. If you'll remember 3.23 and 6.23, you're well on your road. It's all found in the book of Romans. Wages is what you deserve. You go to work, you sign on, get hired out somewhere, and you work all week. You notice most places, and I say most, 99.9, never pay you at the beginning of the week. They pay you at the end of the week. Because you earn what you're going to receive on payday. Hopefully you earned it. Sometimes you just show up. But anyway, you, you spent so many hours supposedly doing your job. And at the end of that day, end of that week, you receive wages. That's what you deserve. That's what you agreed to. So in Romans 6.21, he says the wages of death, the, the wages of sin is death. He's talking about eternal separation from God. But what is a gift? It's something freely given and freely offered out of love. My grandkid, Joshua jumped up in my lap last night. We were babysitting. He got this little iPad on. He's pointing around. He said, how about this is what I want for Christmas? I thought, we 30 days out, and we already making plans for next Christmas. And he looked at me and said, what do you want? I got what I want. My grandboy was sitting up there in my lap. I was fine with that. But he understood this idea of gift. He's four years old, folks. He likes it. He's giving. And then he said, he said, you on the naughty list? I hope not. I said, well, what about you and James? No, we're on the good list. Well, I know better. They're not always good, especially when they're together. But why do they receive? Out of love. Out of love. You see, you don't get what you, a gift is not ever really given out of what you deserve. It's given out of love. I give to my grandkids out of love. And a lot of times I give way more than what they deserve out of love. And God does the same for us. Out of His love for us, He gives us eternal life. That's why Jesus had to come. 
He had to shed his blood to be the sacrifice God wanted. 24. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one. He's talking about the temple. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. What's that? What's that last two words? For who? Scratch out U.S. and put M.E. Make it real personal. Now to appear in the presence of God for me. You see, he's in the presence of God right now in heaven representing me because I did one thing in my life. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I promise you, I was anything but worthy of that. I had a lot of past. That's why I like to see these kids get saved early in life. I had a lot of past that I need to get rid of. And he did. Christ did not enter a material place such as the temple, the Holy of Holies, but he entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for me. And that's very personal to you. Verse 25, Nor was it that he would offer himself often, like the past sacrifices, as a high priest enters into the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. See, the, the priest never entered in with his blood. He carried the, the blood of the lamb and sprinkled it on the holy of holies there on, on the altar of in, uh, there in the, the Ark of the Covenant, and he was sprinkled on the mercy seat right there every year in behalf of the people. Well, Jesus didn't enter a, a physical place. He entered a heavenly place for us. Verse 27, And as much as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Let's focus on 28 right there a little bit. He was offered one time. You're physically going to die one time in this flesh. And every one of you are going to die, folks. If you were born, you will die unless Jesus Christ comes before that death and you will be transformed. But every one of you are going to die. You might as well get that in your mind. You will die. I don't care what magnificent discovery they try to come up with uh, and how many machines they can hook you to. You will die. They may keep your body, the heart beating and the lungs working, but you will die. Even with all that, there's only so much they'll ever be able to do because they'll never be able to reinstill life to you. So you will die. You might as well come to grips with that right now. The question is, how will you die? Will you die in Christ or will you die without Christ? That's the question. You have an opportunity today to accept God's way or you have an opportunity to do it your way. And I'm trying to make this as clear as I can. It's your choice where you spend eternity. It's your choice 
will you spend the rest of your life on this earth? You see, eternity for me began in, in, in September of 1982 when I was born again. Eternity started for me there. God's blessing was on me then. Now, so when I die, I'm just stepping from one place into another. Butch, the other day, he just stepped out of that body right into the presence of God. Why? Because of his faith. When you step out of that body, you're going to go one or two places. Into the presence of God or out of the presence of God. Now let me just give you a little description of what the Bible talks about being out of the presence of God is like. I don't know how much pain you've ever suffered in this life, but it's never going to amount to what hell is like. This is how Jesus described it. It's a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth. Chewing on the tongue. Eternal pain and suffering in such agony that you would chew your tongue to try to find relief. You remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man and he, he told his disciples? He, he called Lazarus by name who was just a poor beggar at the gate. Lazarus was a rich man and he rejected everything God had. And he was in hell and he cried out to, to and he, Jesus referenced Father Abraham. He's looking up into, into heaven and he sees God holding Lazarus there and he said, Father Abraham, would you... Would you just let Lazarus just touch his fingers in a little bit of water and just touch my lips? He's in such turmoil and torment. He just wanted a little bit of relief. Just a little bit of relief. Because you see, here on earth, you burn this fleshly body, it will die. In hell, there is nothing to destroy. It's a spiritual. Lives forever, I don't know. My battery may have some going. Fading in and out. The enemy don't want you to hear this. But I want you to hear it. Because the truth of the thing is, God's provided everything you need to have eternal life. The forgiveness for every sin you've committed and every sin you will forgive. Everything you it's all been forgiven and it's washed by the blood of the Lamb. Because God chose to do it that way. But what He did give you early on in creation and made Adam and Eve different was a free will. A free will that no other animal on earth has. You have the freedom to choose. And God will always ex let you exercise that free will. You see, it's your choice to do it God's way or not. And that's what the, a lot of people don't understand. Well, if God's so good, why does He let these things happen? For Him to intervene in a lot of these things would mean He'd have to take away the free will of men. Which means they become nothing more than a dog or a cat or a cow or a horse. That they're living off of instinct and not free will. So God's never going to take away what makes you special. But He will give you an opportunity to exercise free will by exposing you to truth. 
And you have the right to exercise that. So if you leave here today without Jesus Christ in your life, you've exercised your free will. And God will respect that and honor that. But let me go ahead and tell you this. Every prayer you pray between now and the time you die will fall on deaf ears except this one prayer. When you accept Jesus Christ. He has no reason to answer any other prayer other than out of His grace. Because of the, the prayer He's waiting to hear from you is your acceptance of His sacrifice. Now let's put this in some earthly terms. If you had sent your son to die for me, and you allowed him to be humiliated, shamed, beaten, and mistreated, and to die, would you let me into your kingdom any other way? I don't think so. First of all, as humans, there's not a one of us would ever love anybody enough to let that happen. I wouldn't give you, but God loved me that much. But this arrogance of man in, it, in the deception of Satan is allowed him to think, well, I can do it my way. And God said, well, just try it your way and see what happens. But see, you doing it your way will never take away from the truth because God's already given you the truth. What did Jesus say in John 14? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. That's why Jesus had to leave the throne of God. He had to come and take on the physical body of a human so we could identify with him, so he could identify with us. He could, we can understand he has been tempted, yet he chose to be holy. He was beaten. He understood pain and agony and everything else. Yet in the midst of that, he never cried out in anger. And even while he was up on the cross, he looked at his heavenly Father and said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yet he could have called 10,000 legions of angels down, and they would have took him off the cross at that very moment. It's what he told Pilate himself. He said, I could call legions and legions of angels here, but my kingdom is not on this earth. My kingdom's in heaven. And he came for that purpose. For those of you who've never had much to do with church, let me tell you how much church membership would do for you. See that? Just do that. I don't want you to ever be a member of a church. I want you to be a member of a kingdom. Church membership is something you do because you're part of the kingdom. But it has nothing to offer you. You don't join a church to get into heaven. You accept Jesus Christ. And by faith you're made whole. By faith you receive salvation. And it's by faith in the one who died for you that you receive that. Where you come to this church or any other church, it really doesn't matter. You can, you can meet under your tree and, and, and be by yourself if that's what you desire. It's not ideal because you're missing out on a lot of good stuff. But what matters is your faith in Christ. 
not your faith in a church or an organization, whether you're Baptist, Church of Christ, Methodist, or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is, are you born again the way God's called you to be born again? Because he said, unless you're born again, you will not enter into the kingdom. And to be born again is one of those church terms means, have you accepted Jesus as a sacrifice for your sin? Because that's what God requires. Started it in Genesis, carries it all the way through the New Testament, and then he says, no more yearly sacrifices. I've made my point. No longer do you do this. He's already destroyed the... the go to Israel right now, and there's a, a place called the Dome of the Rock, which is Muslim, which is as anti-Christ as you can come, because there's no need for the temple to ever sit there again. Because... The temple has now moved from a physical thing to a heavenly thing and right in here because the Spirit has entered into every believer and no longer has to dwell and meet with people in a physical place. He'll meet with you right there in your heart. But you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I hope I've went over this over and over and over enough that you understand it. If not, I'll explain it again and again and again. Because my friends, don't leave here without doing it God's way. Because He sent His Son to die for you. He sent His Son to die for you. So that you don't have to suffer the pain and agony. So I hope that answers the question, why did Jesus have to come? He had to come for you. And if he cared that much for you 2,000 years ago, how much more is he going to care for you when he comes back to take his children home? That's the only thing that's right in front of you that may keep you from dying. We'll be a born-again believer. We'll be raptured out and taken out. But those who are not raptured out will face death. So there it is. The truth of the Scripture as plain as I think I can do it. And I hope you grasp that. I'm going to ask you to stand up and bow your head and take your hats off and close those eyes. And I would be totally out of place if I didn't give you an opportunity to receive such a great gift as this. So I want everybody to close your eyes, bow your head, because you don't need to be looking around. You don't need to worry about your neighbor. If you know you're saved and been born again, then you just be praying the Spirit of God has opportunity to move right now in people's hearts. But if you've not received Jesus Christ, be, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that is as simple any child can do. But it has to be prayed from the heart. And I want you to pray this prayer if you are ready to accept Jesus Christ. You pray it quietly. You can utter it silently or mumble it or whatever. But I want you to talk to God and say these words. Heavenly Father, I understand that I'm a sinner based on the the truth that I've heard today. 
And my sin separates me from you. But also understand through this word that Jesus died on the cross to take away the punishment of that sin. And I accept that sacrifice. And I invite him into my life that I may receive that salvation that comes through him. I give you my life and I surrender all to you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The one thing you need to do if you've prayed that prayer is you need to let me know. We're not, I didn't ask them to do an invitation, but we should have that. But don't leave this place without me knowing that you've prayed that prayer. Mark, where are you at? Mark's going to be at this door. If you can't get to me, you go talk to Mark back there in that back corner right there. Casey will be over here. Hem them up. You can come up here and talk to me. John's here at the front. But you find one of us and you let us know that you've been saved so that we can carry you on. And if you got saved today, next week, I'm going to tell you what you do next. Because that's the second question is, what do I do now that I have been saved? What do I do to put myself where I need to be? And we're going to talk about that next week. God bless you. Have a great week. And may don't walk away from God, folks. Don't, don't walk away. Y'all have a good week. God bless you.